Okay, let's get into Parshas Chukas, Tavshin Ayin Vav. And we start off with a thought uh, related to Halacha. And that is, there's a Tosfus and Mesechas Brachas. Tosfus and Brachas that discusses, uh, are there any Parshios in the Torah that we are obligated to hear? <coughs> Excuse me. That we're obligated to hear on a Daraisa level. So those quotes Parsha Zachar, which is the most famous one that we know, that we're all mocked here, Parsha Zachar, the Shabbos before Purim, that is a Kriya Daraisa fulfillment of Zachar Esa Shura Salacha Amalek. But if you look in some of the Bali Atosva, some of the Gersa, if you look in the Tosvas Yeshanim, uh, in, in Brachas and others, there's another Gersa quoted. And the Beis Yosef quotes this Gersa from the Bali Atosvas, and that is not only is Parsha Zachar Daraisa, Parsha's Para is Daraisa. And the question is, where would that come from? The Beis Yosef, when he quotes this in Tafresh Pehei, uh, wonders about this, but he quotes it in Shulchan Aruch, that Yesh Omrim, there are those that think that Parshas Para, Leni Parshas Para, which is the beginning of Parshas Chukas, that's what we laid for Parshas Para before Nisan, that is a Din Daraisa. So where would Balia Tosfos gotten this from? What is the source? That Lane in the beginning of Parshas Chukas at one time, one time a year is going to be Daraisa. Says the Berchas Peret, says the Stipler in source number one. Where? Where does it say that you have to Lane Parshas Chukas at some point? And let's say somebody missed Parshas Para, maybe they could hear it now. In this week, Parshas Chukas. What's the source? So, there are various suggestions that we've given in the past. This year we'll do the stiplers. Says the Berchas Parrots in source number one. V'yitachain. Shezehu midechsev b'sos parshas mitzora. It's at the end of parshas mitzora. It says, V'hizartem es b'nei Yisrael mitumasam, V'lo yamusu b'tumasam, B'tamam es b'shkani asher b'socham. B'nei Yisrael should separate from the Mikdash. When they are Tamei, they shouldn't walk into the Mikdash, they shouldn't be involved in Kachim. So Lafi Pshuto, the simple interpretation of that Pasuk, says the stipler is, B'nei Yisrael should be separated from Tumas Mikdash, from the Mikdash when they are Tamei, it's Bezdin's job. The Hizartem, yes, Chazal Darshan, Sern Halachas from the Pasik, but the simple interpretation of the, of the, uh, Pasik is that Bezdin is commanded to make sure that Am Yisrael know Tum of Etara, know when, that when they are Tameh, and they should not go into the base of Mikdash. And therefore, line 14, Vim Emesu, Shachiola Bezdin, Lahafrishis Yisrael, Mutobas Mikdash Vekadashav, if it is true that there's a Chiv on Bezdin, not just a Chiv on me, not to go into the Mikdash when I am Tameh, but there's a to make sure that everyone knows and separates Nirevadai, so then it makes a lot of sense that reading the Parsha of Tuma in public and everybody listens to it and everybody hears about it, that's a key of this Pasik, of this um, Halacha, of making sure everybody knows about Tuma Vatara so that they know Meheri Ibana Beis or even Bizban Azeb when they're still Kedusha in the Makkah by Mikdash, not to go there. Devade, the Gam Kriyas, Azharas, Mikdash Vekadashav, Knowing about the Isser, knowing about the Halachas, brings towards, brings towards Shmira. And therefore, suggest the stifler, that's, that's what Balitos was getting from. Parshas Para. What's the kiyum? What's the importance of laning this section of the Torah more than any other section? The answer is, this is Halachas of Tomas Meis. These are the halachas of the most strict level of Tumah, the highest level of Tumah that we know of, and Aviyavosa Tumah, and we have to know about this in order to know the basics of Tumah, so we don't go to the base of Migdash when we are Tameh. So we only need Karbanas when we are Tameh. So that is the Kiyam Daraisa, 
of of um, of Parshas Par. Again, Rovri showed him. Don't quote it. Rovri showed him. Assume that three out of the four Para Chodesh Kalim are all Durabanan. Only Parshas Zacher is Daraisa. But there is this day in Baliat Tosfos that have Parshas Par as Daraisa. Right, our Parsha beginning of Chukas, and this is the suggestion that the stifler has where it comes from. Okay, moving right along. I'd like to just review one thought that we discussed uh, about five years ago or so, but it's a classic. It's a classic on Parsha's Chukas, so as we do every couple of weeks, we allow ourselves to review one thing from past years in order to, to, uh, to keep it fresh in our memory. And that is the beginning of the Parsha. As we know, the Pasuk tells us, Zos Chukas HaTorah. This is the Chok of the Torah. The word Chok is used in the context of Paraduma. And the question is, why? what is, this is the ultimate Chok. As we know, the symbol, the model of Chukim, Paraduma is always the one that is used. And generally, the, the, the suggestion given by the Rishonim, what, what makes it so unusual, Mitar Esatameim, Mitar Metame Esatahorim, those that are involved in it become Tame, those who are being sprinkled upon on day three and seven, when their Tame Mace become Tahar, right? So it does opposite things. So that's the inner contradiction of, of Para Adumas. That's one idea. But maybe there's another idea of Zos Chukas HaTorah. Question one. Question two, what is this doing here? All other halachas of Tumah and Tara are discussed in Sefer Vayikra, Tazriya Mitzora, right? That's where Tumah Vatara is described. The only section that is left out is this section, Parshas Chukas, Tumas Mace. This is the ultimate Tumah. Shouldn't this be what's discussed there? Yes, it's not. Most of the Tumas there are Tumah Sheyotze Migufo. That's true. Zav, Zava, Yoledes, Mitzora. But still, it's the world of Tumah, and Shmini has uh, the Shmona Shratzim, that's also Tumah Vataris, it's all Tumah Vataris in Vayikra. So why is this section, the ultimate Tumah, discussed here in Chukas? As if it's Dafka put here for a reason. It's Dafka needed here to teach us, to teach us something. So with those two questions, let's see the words of Rev Salvechik. The words of Rev Salvechik in the Safer Reflections of the Rav, one of his drushes, in the second volume. Well, you have this in source number two and three and the continue, source two and the continuation. Says Rev Salvechik, the chok that we are talking about, that the Torah is referring to, is not just the chok of the halachas, the inner workings of para aduma, but rather, as the Torah says, zos kukas Torah, asher tziva Hashem, v'chulu, skip down a couple of psukim, perak yudalid, zos Torah, adum kiyamus ba'ohel. Suggests Rav Salvechik, death itself is the chok. It's not just the halachos that had to deal with death, but death itself. Mankind can conquer everything. In our modern world, we can explain everything, and we can succeed, and we can send people to the moon, and we can do this, and we can do that, and we can, we can use satellites, we can do everything we can accomplish. But at some point, at some point in a person's life, he or she has to face something that is beyond their control. And after 120, that's it. Doesn't matter how modern, how healthy, how how professional, how uh, developed anybody is, they're gonna have to face Baruch That is something that is undescribable, inexplainable, and inextricable from the human condition. And it is something that each person marches towards. Says Rev Salvechik, death, the Torah tells us, has a contaminating effect. Contact with it disqualifies us from entering the base of Migdash and from participating in other matters of Kedusha. Death is a mocking fate. 
which awaits us all, a trauma of human helplessness, which disturbs our existential serenity. We can be so fine and good and besheket beshalva, but at this, when we get to thinking about this, we're totally out of control. We're at a loss. It is an absurdity which undoes all of man's rational planning, his dreams and hopes. We wonder why should the foremost of God's creations have an awareness of his mortality and therefore live in constant dread and distress in face of its inevitability. Animals don't have this recognition. Animals don't know that they're going to die. They're carefree. Right? They just live. But mankind has this. That's the chok. Hashem wants us to recognize this, right, since Adam and Chava. This is what we have to recognize and this is what we have to deal with. And this is not something that, death is not something that we celebrate. We do not celebrate death. Judaism does not. Continues Rev Salvechik. The concept that death defiles, death is Tumah. Right, death is the anti, antithetical to Kedusha. A Kohen can't become Tame. A Nazir, someone who is associated with Kedusha, can't become Tame. So if you look continuation on the next page, the real Chokah's death is intimated by a similarity of phraseology in the text. The chapter which introduces Paraduma opens with Zos Chukas Torah. And then what is the Chokah? And later on, a Pasuk Yudal is Zos HaTorah, Adam Kiyamus Ba'ohel. That death, that, that is the ultimate Chokah. Step one. Step two continues the rough, continuing with the first step, but he says in the middle of now of the page, death in the animal world is not tragic. It's not just a chok when a squirrel dies, when a dog dies, when any type of animal dies. Okay, somebody might be close to a certain animal if they had him as a pet for a while, but it's not a tragedy. You don't say birth die in haemis. When, a, when an animal dies, no matter how closely one feels to their animal. The species is not diminished by the death of an individual, generally. Yes, there are animals that are going extinct, but we don't know Hashem's categories of how he categorizes. But either way, when it comes to animals, the individual's significance is only as a representative of a particular class, like the Sefer Chinuf discusses in Vayikra. There's Hashkacha Klalis on animals, not Hashkacha Pratis. Hashkacha Pratis is only for human beings. Animals have Hashkacha Klalis, meaning the, the, the general Hashkacha. Each person, though, is different. A person's death, each one, is a tragedy. Each person is a microcosm, an olam katan, an individuality with dignity, an original with worthiness. Right, Every person... Everybody has to say, Bishvili Nivra Olam. Man's singular humanity establishes a status. We each have Selim Elohim, our unique Selim Elohim. And that is why death is so beyond any of our understanding. It, it, it's a break. Every person that dies is, is a potential that is never coming back. Hopefully they fulfilled their potential. But that is all, that's the Chok. Zos Chukas HaTorah is death itself. So how will we matire ourselves from death? Says the Torah, there's a difference between being metahir ourselves from other types of tumah than when it comes to tumah's mace. Most other types of tumahs, sometimes we have to wait a couple of days, we have to wait a week, we have to bring a carbon eventually, but ultimately it's going into a mikvah. Maybe more than once, but it's going into a mikvah. Tumas mace, that's not good enough. As we know, Bisman Hazeh, we are all tumah mace, we cannot get out of this state until we have the ashes of the para aduma sprinkled upon us by someone else. And the question is, what's the symbol of that process? Explains Rev Salvechik, turning the page. There's a big difference between the two of these, as we just formulated it. Tevila is in my power. I became Tame. I can overcome. 
I could conquer. I could purify myself. That's my most tumis. That could be done. Look on page 107 on the right side. The defiled must perform the act himself. It cannot be done for him. He defiled himself and he must cleanse himself. Tefillah implies a capacity to change one's condition, to transform his life, to raise himself because he has free will. As we know, the Mepharshim explained, the Sefer HaChinuch also, a mikvah symbolizes the amniotic fluid. So when we come out of a mikvah, we're born again. We're new. And that's what a mikvah symbolizes. I could go into a mikvah, and then I could come out. I could renew myself. I could be a new person. But when it comes to hazaah, being sprinkled by the ashes of the Paraduma, what does that symbolize? I can't do it myself. It's out of my control I could try all I want, but I can never become tar. I can never conquer this state without recognizing that there is another power out there. So it's the per- there's a person, there's a Kohen sprinkling, but ultimately the other power is symbolic of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we turn the page again and we show the bottom left, the real cleanser of the morbid state induced by threatening death is God himself. We have, like the Mishnah says at the end of Yoma, we have faith that he has compassionately cares about us and he will not be abandoned. Right? Tumas Meis requires both, really. We need the Tefillah and we need the Hazah. But Tumas Meis is all about understanding that it's not only me. I'm not in control of everything, which hopefully I'm in control of a lot. I have to do it myself. But also HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is uh, really in control of my life. Line on the right side. It is the Almighty, represented by the Tahar, who is the ultimate purifier of the scourge and the terror of death. The totally irrational ritual of Paraduma suggests that human efforts to comprehend death and to lessen its dread are futile without an acceptance of a providential God. We have to realize, once we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we have Emuna, so then at least we could deal with death. They say that Reb Chaim, Whenever he had a, uh, when he was getting older and he was dealing with these uh, issues, he just delved into the halachas of Tomas Meis. That's the re- why there are so many Reb Chaims al Rambam and Ochos Tomas Meis more than almost any other set of halachas of the Rambam because that's how we dealt with it. When we meet Hakadosh Baruch Hu, when we meet the world of halacha, that is what we need to recognize that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. Finally, what do we speak about the Tchok is the is the death itself, and number two, the difference between Tefillah and Hazah. Finally. What is this doing here? Why is this here in Sefer Bamidbar? So unbelievable ha'ara. What was the last week's parsha? Korach. Korach took place in year two. Year two of the Midbar. Right? You have Shlach and Korach right afterwards, right then. What happens in Chukas? We have Tumas Mace. And then what happens later on in the parsha? Right, later on, right after Memeriva. What happens? A little war. All of a sudden, it's year 40. Miriam dies. Aaron dies. We have 38 blackout years that go from the end of Korach to the middle of Chukas. These are the years that Hashem did not speak to Moshe. These are the years that we know nothing about except what? What do we know that happened during these years? All of the people from that generation died out. They died out because they took place in the, they took part in the Miraglim. So what was the philosophical issue that Am Yisrael were dealing with during these years? It was death. That is why Dafka, para aduma, is put here. Because that's the philosophical problem, challenge, that Klai Yisrael were dealing with at this time. On the right side of 111. The chapter of para aduma is a bridge spanning events that happened 38 years apart. Korach is year 2. Chukas is year 40. The 38 years that took place in between, we know nothing of what happened. Except that, 
The door died, the Dardea died out, the one that was not going to go into the land. It is a somber reflection of those tragic years during which the Exodus generation, Yotzei Mitzrayim, was dying in the desert, making way for the generation of the desert, or Amidbar, to enter Eretz Yisrael. And that is exactly why it is put it is put here. The Hester Panim, we know how to deal with it because of the message is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge, as we just explained, and that is why this is not put in Vayikra. This is the transition. Dealing with this issue is the transition between the second year and the 40th year. Okay. Moving right along. Now let's get into a couple of uh, Pshatim of one of the major issues here of the Parsha, and that, of course, is Meimariva. Very difficult to know exactly the Pshat. The Yerachayim HaKadosh, I think, quotes um, many, many, many different Pshatim, besides the four of the Ramban. But the Yerachayim HaKadosh quotes even more. Different Pshatim, but what exactly was the Chet? What exactly was the Chet of Moshe Rabbeinu? How are we supposed to understand what exactly went wrong that ultimately, according to the text, is the reason Moshe did not go into Eretz Yisrael. Moshe and Aaron. There are many other pshatim of why Moshe and Aaron didn't go in, and it was supposed to be earlier or later, but at least according to the text, something happens here in this week's parsha. So what exactly is it? So a couple of ideas. First from Rav Zevin. First from Rav Zevin in Latar of Alamoadim. And again, it's all about analyzing exactly the psukim. He hit the rock, he got angry, he called them mamrim. What exactly is the pshat? So Rashi, as we know, we're familiar with Rashi, he should have spoken to the rock instead of hitting the rock. And the problem with that, the Ramban himself asks, is what's the difference? They're both Nisim. What would have been the difference? Especially because earlier Moshe had hit the rock earlier in history, and that was fine. That wasn't an Avera. So what exactly is is the problem here. So let's see, source number three, La Torah of Amoadim Rav Zevin. Rabot midubar besvarim al mahuto shalachet shamosh rabbeinu b'meimariva. Many have spoken about it. Ukshetimsi lomar yishla sakim b'kitzer tamsis achet. Moshe rabbeinu tzorach ladas ladaber af el asela. Moshe has spoken to the rock. Okay, fine. What's the pshat? Says Rav Zevin. Libo shaladam tchunot shonot lo. There are many ways that heart is described in Tanakh. Medrash Koheles, Halev Mitchazek. Vayachazek Hashem is Leipar, a heart could harden. Halev Misrachech, a heart could soften. Al Yerach Levavchem, it says, by the Parsha of Milchama. Halev Nikra, a heart could be torn open. Kiru Levavchem, Abedechem, tear open your hearts and do tshuva. Halevu Keeven, a heart could be stone. A heart could be un, right, unable to penetrate. There are many ways that a heart can be described, even in opposite ways. Soft, hard, ripped open, stone closed. That's part one. A heart is described in different ways. But then, says Rav Zevin, also, the effects that a person could have on someone else's heart, the influencer could also use different strategies and different ways of hashpa'ah. Darke hashpa'ah, Adam Avein show note. They're also different. Lo hare ofan hashpa'ah, al mishiyesh lo lev rach, lev nikra, kahare emsa'iya shichnua, le mishiyesh lo lev mitchazeg, lev kasha keven. The way that we get through to a person who has a soft heart, an open heart, 
is different than how we get through to someone who has a stone heart, someone who has a difficult, right, hardened heart. There's differences. The influencer has to say, talk in a positive way sometimes. Comforting. And sometimes, no. Sometimes you got to be scary. Sometimes you got to be tough. So when there is an influencer and an influenced, a potential influenced, one has to take into account both sides of the equation. The influencer, the mashpia, what type of derech does he use to be mashpia, and the one who is trying to be influenced, the nichna, the, the mushpa. And... There's different personality types also, in both directions. Says Rav Zevin. Yesh ve'atzim tivo shalom ha-shpia, hu la'arev tel t'chiyo ve'gash b'nedavis, mitoch avo, mitoch eshtatfut. There are some people that have such a nice, soft, easy way of giving over Torah, or giving over any type of value. Ve'yesh ha-mashpia hu zoi v'zoi, and some others not, they're fire and brimstone. Makal chovlim b'yado, screaming, right, musr, screaming, zorig mara b'talmidim. And whenever you have those two types of teachers, those two types of leaders, one has to ask, well, who are their students? Who are their, who is their congregation? And are they the right fit for the congregation? The leader and the congregation have to work together, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago uh, with Moshe Rabbeinu. So, says Rav Zevin, that was the problem at this point in history. B'nai Yisrael were difficult. B'nai Yisrael were hard. When you do hard against hard... It's not going to work. When you have a stone heart and you have a stone stick trying to get through, it's not going to work. What breaks a rock? Rabbi Akiva taught us. Water breaks a rock. And again, Rav Zevin, we have to explain something of the chait. Obviously, we're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. We can't even fathom his levels. But obviously, there has to be a, reason, a message for us. So Moshe admitted and knew they were rebels. Just read Parsha's Sefer by Midbar. Avera after Avera after Tluna after Tluna. Those first years. All of them. And Akadosh Baruch even says, And Moshe says, Shimuna Amorim. Ulesimanu makebe matewas asela pa'amayim alkach ne'enash. And he's nanash for it. Why? Because when these are our students, then we got to find a different way to get through. Right? Maybe we could be hard if their heart is soft. But if they're hard, we have to be soft. It has to be soft. B'nai Yisrael at that stage were kasha, and therefore they needed an amira. Maybe uh, the hitting is symbolic of a certain type of leadership at that moment. And that was the mistake, says Rav Zevin. It should have been more of an amira type of leadership than a deeper. Again, Moshe was very angry and upset at them already for, for all the complaints. But, says Rav Zevin, that's what we have to learn. Every door... Every time in every dar has its own way of communication that is needed. And we discussed this years ago. I use this in a different context more recently, in a different shear. But if you look at source number four, Barshad Baloscha, the Chatzotros, 
We know we have a chiyav to make chatzotros. Asel chashtei chatzotros. Kesef, miksha ta'aseosam. Make for yourself the trumpets that are used in the, in the base of Mikdash. Miksha ta'aseosam. And Rashi quotes there, Asel lecha, mishelecha. From you, you need to make the trumpets. Ata ose umishtamesh bahem below acher. You, no one else. What's mishelecha? Explains in the Kamosi Shalarav, quoting the acronym. What's the message? That you can't use the same chatzotz as Yeshua. You have to use different chatzotz than Moshe. Why? I feel Yeshua lo mishtamesh bechatzotz rasa Moshe. Chatzotz are meant to inspire. They're meant to uplift. They're meant to awaken. The chatzotz of one generation are not the same chatzotz as the next generation. Even within a generation, what inspires kids today is not what inspired kid ten years ago or even five years ago, and for sure thirty years ago. How we were inspired is not how our children are inspired. And it's up to a parent and a teacher to be able to be cognizant of what the times needs. Right? We need to inspire and to transmit the Torah in the way that they can get it. Because, as we learn from the Memoriva story, right, we can't change the mushpa unless we know how to be a true and honest mashpia in that context. And that's what it says, The goal is the same, to bring people closer to Hashem. But the means are changed. What worked earlier is not going to work now, especially in our generation. And therefore... We have to know how to act. And that's what Rav Zevin says was the problem by the Chaita Meimarif. Idea number one. Okay. Idea number two. A second idea about the Chait. And this is what we call a real Harifus. Very sharp thought. Classic Rebbe Reb Heschel. The Rebbe Reb Heschel, the Chanukah Satorah. I was over to be at his kever a couple of uh, months ago before Pesach in... Uh, in Poland, the Rebbe of the Shach, the Rebbe of the Taz. So the Rebbe of Heschel says in Source number 6, let's explain a, a charifus about why Moshe Rabbeinu was, was punished. And specifically he asked the question that we asked before, why was it that earlier Moshe hit the rock? So what would be wrong with hitting the rock now too? Why was he punished here? L'chara kasha. Loma bem es nenas Moshe Rabbeinu. Olav ha-shalom. Al didn't he have to write, uh, I'm sorry, he asked it, he even adds on. He says, why was he punished? He had to hit the rock. What does that mean? He had to, he was supposed to hit the rock. What are you supposed to hit the rock? He got punished for hitting the rock. No. Let's read the words of the Chanukah Satora. He was supposed to hit the rock. There's a medrash. The medrash tells us that we know from Parshas Vayera, the story of Avraham and the Malachim. Avraham runs and is bringing the Malachim all different uh, water and bread and, and meat. And what does Chazal say? Anything that Avraham did himself. If Avraham was Toreach, and did it for the Malachim personally, then Hashem, as a reward, brought the reward for Avram's descendants personally. Whatever Avram did personally, Hashem did personally. But what Avram gave the Malachim through a Shliach, 
right? The water was brought. Yutan yukach nomaat ma'im. He didn't give it to them. So the water that was supposed to be given to Klal Yisrael later on in the Midbar had to be through a shliach. Part one. So Avram Avinu, he gave the Malachim with a shliach, so Moshe Rabbeinu. Or the water was supposed to be given to Klal Yisrael through a shliach. So how would that work? How would that work? What's the shliach? Al-Kain Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'Moshe Why didn't Hashem make water fall from the heavens? Like the man. Why do you have to get water out of the rock anyway? Just give him water directly. No, it can't be just give him the water. Because the bread, Avram gave them bread. So that's why Hashem gave them bread directly. But the water was through a shliach. So that is why it had to be done through a shliach. Hashem couldn't say. So Hashem told Moshe, you do it. Okay. So what was Moshe going to do? Says the Chanukah Tatora, unbelievable. Vina Isa Bakamakomos, Shashina Haisamada Beres Bita Grono Shamoshe. When Moshe Rabbeinu had Navua, it was different than all other Navim, as we discussed in Baloscha. It was as if Hashem's voice was speaking through Moshe's voice. Shina Midaberes Bito Grono. And therefore, Imkain Kasha, Lomanana Shashal Dibra Wasela. If Moshe would have spoken to the rock, it would have been as if Hashem gave the water directly. Because Moshe's voice is Hashem's voice. Shechina medaberes mitol grono. And therefore, says the Chanukah Torah, Moshe couldn't have talked to the rock. Because then that would have been direct water from Hashem, a violation of the Midah Keneged Midah. We're only supposed to get Lechem directly, not Mayim. So Moshe was supposed to hit the rock. So why was Moshe punished? So he just asked her the question. Not only, why is he punished for hitting the rock? He was supposed to hit the rock. No, because if he would have spoken to the rock, it would have been as if the Mayan was coming directly from Hashem, and that's not what's supposed to be. Ah, says the Chanukah Zatorah. There's one other detail, though, that we need to remember. That the Pasuk says and Chazal pick up on. That is true. Everything we said is true. And it would have been fine to hit the rock if he hadn't gotten angry. He's putting together a few pshatim. Hitting the rock, the anger. He says the anger changed everything. Why? When he got angry, he made the mistake. What's the mistake? I have to hit the rock because if I talk to the rock, it'll be direct. And that's not supposed to be. No, but he made a mistake. Because the second he got angry, the second he said, and he lost control, everything changes. Why? What does the Gemara say? The second that a person gets angry, the Shechina leaves him. And therefore, when Moshe got angry, there would no longer be a problem of just talking to the rock. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is no longer Shechina Madaberes Bital Grono. Imkin and it still would have been considered HaKadosh Baruch because it would just be like other Nevi'im, maybe similar, because it wouldn't be that higher level of the And that's the shot of the Chazal. Once he got angry, he made the mistake, because he thought nothing has changed, he still has to hit, but then he could have spoken. 
But that was the problem. See, he was punished for hitting, he was punished for getting angry, it all fits together. And that's the Pasuk into Hillim, Yeshlafarish Maimer, Naimzmi wrote Yisrael, Vayaksifo Ame Mariva, Vayera Lamoshe Ba'avuram. The anger, Mikoach Yisrael, Xifu Ame Mariva, because of the anger, that what, that's what caused all the, all the mistake and all the mess up, that Moshe Rabbeinu thought that it was still appropriate to, to hit the rock, and it was not, things have changed since the anger came into account. Okay. That's a Kharifus as we would call it. So we have one thought of Reb Zevin <coughs> about you have to know who the Mashpi and who the Mushpa are. We have the Chanukah Satora. And one final thought related to the Memoriva from the Shemi Shmuel in the name of his father, the Avnei Nezer. Also from the Beis Sachachav. Says the Imre Baruch. Rabbi Simon quotes this uh, Shemi Shmuel and he expands upon it. I just give it to you from the Imre Baruch because he's going to give another example afterwards of this idea. Says the Avnei Nezer. Right, so again, what exactly, how are we supposed to understand this? Getting back to the goblets of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, Adon HaNavim. Could we fathom, did he really make a mistake about the Nevuah? Did he really, the anger that he lost control? And, and, he, and he mistakenly did something? So, so there has to be something wrong. Yes, they got punished. But we have to try to explain it in a way that defends Moshe Rabbeinu. Line three. We're in source number seven. Yeah. Matsinu based Parashiyas Batora. Bahem Samu Yisrael Lamayim. Two places in the Torah, B'nai Yisrael thirsted for water. Parashas Beshalach is one. After the Kriyas Yamsuf. There, Moshe receives the Tzivui. Kach itcha misigbe Yisrael. Umatcha asher ikizabuasa yor. Take the mate vihikizabatsur. And hit the rock and water is going to come out. And here also, Hashem says, Kach eshamate. Vidibartem alasela. Take the stick and talk to the rock. But v'tzarech lahavin, madua b'bamari shonai tzarech lahakol. Pabshia yadai b'dibur b'rivad. Why did Hashem command him to hit in the first time and speak in the second time? And number two, if it is true that he was supposed to speak, so why do you have to take? Why did Hashem tell him to take the mata as if to trick Moshe Rabbeinu? Right? What exactly is the is the message? So v'nira line eleven in the words of the. Shemi Shmuel, in the name of his father, the Avnei Nezer. Venire, Dehine, Mashabapam Arishona Yitzarach Lako, Ubabam Shniya Hayadai Bedibur Bolvad, Krakasabnu Bishem, Avi, Adoni, Meriz, Ageni, Yitzarach Lako, Shahayadino, Kimotashmishe Kedusha, Shenishar Ba'od Roshem Mehapam Harishona. The rock that we're talking about is the Be'er Miriam. Different from what the Be'er was, but let's say the Be'er was the rock. That's what produced the water. So this rock, has already been used to produce water. The first time, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Now, now the, what happened? Aaron died. I'm sorry, Miriam died. That's why there's no more. But it's been flowing since that first time. So now it's got to start again because Miriam had died and Bishuta, there was the Be'er. So, says the, says the Avnei Nezer, this rock that Moshe originally hit now has Kedusha. It's an object that was used for a mitzvah. Nisha ba'od Rosha mi'apam rishona. Therefore, there's still an effect. There's still an idea that there is Kedusha in this rock. You don't have to hit it again. Why? It's harder to create something than to recreate something. Once something is created, then to bring back that feeling, that status, is easier than the first time. Achain, kolzeh. 
says the Avnin Ezer. So that's why Hashem told him to talk to the rock the second time. The first time you had to do a big mice, you had to hit the rock to, to get the water out. But once this is a water-giving rock, then a male is going to be easier the second time. So that's why the second time you can just talk to the rock. But that's only going to work if it's the same rock. That's the only way that Moshe is going to be able to talk to the rock and not hit the rock. It will be enough. If it's a different rock, if it's a different rock, a rock that never has produced water, you're going to have to hit it. If this is the case, now we could understand. We could understand the tzivoy and the mistake. Misunderstood anything. But, why did Hashem tell him to take the mate? If you can't find the right rock. If you can't find the right rock, then you'll have to use the mate. Because the rock that you're choosing has never produced water. Moshe was looking for that rock, and therefore he would have spoken to it. But then he couldn't find it. And they started saying, Oh, Moshe, what there does it make? What rock? They got him, so to speak, we could say these words, but even somewhat flustered and angry that he turns to them and says, Stop it! So the second there was anger, so he couldn't focus on which rock it was. But what happened? So he took any old rock. It happened to be the right one. He didn't realize it. So he didn't misunderstand anything. He just wasn't sure which rock it was. And therefore he could have spoken to it, but he hid it. But chas v'shalom, that he had any toas in his nevuah. That's the Avnei and the Shemi But what's the take-home idea that we take out of it? Something that has Kedusha once, it's easier to get Kedusha back that second time. If that, that first rock, there's no water coming out of it right now, but once it has Kedusha, then the second time it's easier to come out. Where else do we see this? Many examples. I gave you, I didn't give you his whole piece, but one of the examples he gives that he quotes from Rav Shachter is Kedusha Rishona and Kedusha Shniya. The first time we went into Eretz Yisrael, we went in 14 years, Shevesh HaKivshu, Shevesh HaChilku, and the, uh, the building of the Beis Migdash and the Aron, and the parade, and everything that goes in, and challenging, and go, boom, it, took, it was a whole process. Second, Ezra came in, boom, Kadosh. Beis Migdash. What happened? Right? And, th- and, and the, the, the second one was through Chazaka. We didn't even have to conquer. Right? Famous discussion in the Rambam. Turning over the page to source 8. So he quotes from Rav Shechter that, no. He quotes in the name of Rav Shechter, the name of Rav Chaim. That, Shekach Nemr Halacha. Shepekol Shetkufa Sheyia. Im Yachzru B'nei Yisrael. L'Kadish Pam Shniya. B'Kedusha Sa'aretz. Eza Sheta Karka Shahaya Alav Ipam. If it had Kedusha earlier. Shetachol Al-Kedusha Shniya De Chazaka Kala. It's much easier the second time because it already had Kedusha. 
once something had Kedusha like that rock, the Avni Nezer, that rock, it would have been easier to get the water out the second time because it already had that Kedusha the first time. So to Kedusha Zeret Yisrael, once Yeshua ben Nun did it with the whole process, so it was easier for Ezra. And finally, Rabbi Simon suggests the same thing with, with, with Avodah Hashem. Line one now. When we're younger, we have to fill ourselves with Torah, with Avoda, with Chesed, with Tefillah. Especially our years that we have in Yeshiva, before we have other responsibilities. Even when we're no longer between the walls of the Yeshiva. But it's in us. Because once it was in us once, it never leaves. And it's easy to get it back. And we could just Torah and say, I'm going to push myself in tefillah. I'm going to push myself in learning. And that's why it's so important in our earlier years, he writes, We have to make sure that we do something even once. If we do it once, it's going to be there. It's going to be there for the rest of our lives, and we have to try to to get back as much as we as we can. So we have three ideas on the the Meimariva, Reb Zevin, and the Chanukah Satora, the Rebbe Reb Heshel, and the Avnei Neser. Okay, moving right along, let's have two more thoughts for this week's parsha. Chaf Aleph Aleph. Let's move on now to the next section of the Torah. Chaf Aleph Aleph says the Torah. The Kanani, the king of Arad, hears Yosheva Negev. Kiba Yisrael Derecha Asarim. He hears the Bnei Yisrael are coming. Vayilachem Yisrael. He fights them. Veishim Enushevi. He takes a he takes captives. And Yisrael makes a neder. Nasoti Tenasam Azef. You help us. Achram Yisraelim. Vayishma Hashem B'Kol Yisrael. Hashem listens. Vayitenas Kanani. It's amazing. It goes unnoticed unless you're uh, it's, we're uh, picked up to it. But Reb Zetrev Schwab points out that in these three psukim, Perachafal, Pazgalves, and Gimel, the Kanani, the king of Arad, heard that Yisrael are coming, captives, but Yisrael fight, they dive into Hashem, and they win. There's no Moshe Rabbeinu here. Where's Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned here. In the, it's just between Am Yisrael and Hashem? Ubechol Yam source 9, Lonizkar Moshe Klau, Where's Moshe? In this little section, every other section, before and after, Moshe's involved. Says Rav Schwab, look at Rashi for a moment. Rashi says, What's Derech HaAsarim? The king of Kanani Melchad hears, they're coming Derech HaAsarim. Derech HaNegev Shehochu Bomeraglim. The way from the south that the Meraglim went. Sheneemar Vayaalu Banegev. They're coming the same way the Meraglim went. What's the message? Says Rav Schwab. Now they're heading. Now they're heading to Arvos Moav. Now's the time to be misaking the Chet. Moshe's not involved. Moshe didn't violate. It's Am Yisrael themselves. All the people have died that aren't going in. Now it's time for them to go up. L'shem Shamayim. They go up. Captives, what do they do? They turn to Hashem. They don't go up like the Mafilim that went up against Hashem's will. V'nitzna ha-yecholes l'b'nei ador ha-chadash l'sakin chetam shalav u'seihem. Sha'alu shalom b'rshus. V'yachshav nilchamu al-pitzivi Hashem. 
And that's why the emphasis is Asarim. We connect this to the Miraglim because they follow the same paths that the Miraglim went up earlier, but here they were Masake in the Chet. Fine. And finally, a little shorter this week for save time. Finally, towards the end of the parsha, we have the story of the Nechash Hanachoshes. What happened? They went from Har Har and the Am Batiksar Nefesh Am. Right, Moshe's back. They start complaining. Why do you bring us up? Right? Why do you? There's nothing here except this man. He sends the Nechashim and they bite on Yisrael and they quickly, they say, quickly, quickly, what are you going to do? Hashem says to Moshe, get a, a snake. Moshe makes the Nechash Hanachoshes. He puts it up. Anyone who looked up at the Nachash Anachoshes was saved, lived. Rashi here quotes the Mishnah from Meseches Rosh Hashanah. Rashi quotes, what does it mean that they looked at the uh, snake and they all were healed? What does that mean? Allah says Rashi, If an Israel looked up, and they connected their hearts to Hashem, they would live and get healed. And if not, um, if not, they would die. The Lashen, if not, they would die. Fine. Ask, that's Rashi in the name of the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah. Ask the Gur Arya, ask the Maharal. If the whole point was to look at Hashem, right, it doesn't really mean the Nachash, it means you have to So what do you need the Nachash for? Just look at Hashem. V'im Tomar, ask the Gur Arye, source 10. Im Kain Lama Li Nachash. Lama Li Sumo So Al Nais. Acha Shahaya Tolib is Mashem Achadun Lim Loshamayim. The whole point is to get to look at Hashem. So what was the point of the Nachash? Says the Maharal, fascinating. Two kind of opposite approaches to explain this Chazal. Opposite, if you, if you take a step back and we think about him as two opposite ideas. Venera, line 4. Why did Hashem tell them to put it, the snake up on the on the banner in order for everybody to look at? To look up. The snake was just a strategy to get them to look up. Once they looked up, they would see the heavens, and that would bring them to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The means was the snake. The goal was above the snake. Why? Why dafka snake? Just put a stick. Just put anything up on top of a, of, a, of a staff. The answer is because if they see the thing that hurt them, that would remind them of the pain and of the anguish and they would cry even more and connect even more to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says the Gur Aryeh, that was the point of the Nachash, just to get them to look up. By holding something high up and by making it the nachash, that would be mechavin their heart to heaven. The snake makes them look up. The fact that it's a snake 
makes them have even more kavana. And this is similar, if you think, Chazal have a lot of strategies to help us uh, think of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? The Gemara Brachis, I gave it to you, source 11, the minak of having windows in the shul, right? Looking at the windows in the shul, not the windows that look out on the street, but windows in the shul to be able, and Rashi says there, Brachas Lamadalid, Shagar Minlo, Shechavin Libo, Shumistakal, Klabi Shemayim, Libo Nichna. You have windows, so you can look at the Shemayim. So they have the Nachash to look at the Shemayim. Same type of idea. Pshat number one. But then Pshat number two, which as I said, is somewhat opposite. Inami, line 15. Hashem wanted to do a nace with the Nachash. Don't ask for reasons. When Hashem does a miracle, it is a miracle. Yes, the Ramban gives a Pshat. Of, of the nace, it's a magdal, a nace, cause it's, but ultimately, it's a nace. El anace hu kamoshar nisim. Rak masha'amru, what does the Gemara mean? Mistako klape mala, hainu, shelotachshov ki hanachash mirape bahabata lavad. Looking at the snake, that's gonna be what's healing. But Hashem doesn't want you to think the snake itself has power. Ze'eno. But look up. By looking at the snake, you get to look up. You realize Hashem. But then you look at the snake and you realize the snake's power comes from Hashem. But it's once we look up and we see the Shammai and we realize, wow, Hashem's in charge. Then, by looking at the snake, we're healed. If we don't recognize that it's the Hashem's power that's giving the snake the power, it's like medicine. If we take medicine and we don't realize that Baruch Hu is behind the medicine, so then the whole message of whatever situation we're in is not going to be accepted by us and not, it's not going to penetrate. So says the Maharal, you hold the snake up so that we look up at Hashem, we realize that Hashem's in charge, then we realize that the power of the snake is really from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but it's the power of the snake that is healing us. So what's the ends and what's the means? According to the second shot, we're supposed to look up at HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that will then us give us the clue to why the snake is giving us the power of healing. But the power of healing, sec- that second stage too, is looking at the Shemayim and then ultimately looking at the snake to heal us. The first shot was just the opposite. Looking at the snake will lead us to looking at the Shemayim. But either way, they go in tandem, hand in hand, as the Maharal explains what the pshad of this Gemara is. Lamaisa, again, it reminds us of that, the Shulchan Arach, that before we take medicine, there's an nice Yerusan to say, so we recognize that Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge, but that's how we, we this, this year, the first couple of thoughts of Salvation earlier, we recognize that Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge, in charge of of Chukas HaTorah, Adam Kiyamas Ba'oel, in, tar- in charge of Choli, as the Gemara says, and in charge of everything in our lives. Okay, we'll stop here. Pashas Chukas, Tavshin, Ayin, Vav.